So we're starting this brand new series, and we're going to just be talking about underdogs that we see throughout the Bible. And maybe when it looked like things were, were going, um, it looked like one thing from the outside, like this person wasn't an underdog. When God's on our side, everything changes. Uh, my favorite underdog movie of all time is Rudy. Have you guys ever seen Rudy? Like, if you haven't seen Rudy, like, you know what you need to do this afternoon. You need to go see Rudy. And, like, I'm sure it's in, like, the Walmart box for five bucks or, like, two bucks that you could pick up and watch Rudy. If you haven't seen the, the movie, it's been out for I don't know how many years, but, but it's about this young, runty guy, he's probably my size when I say runty, he's probably my size, who tries out for the Notre Dame football team. He, that was his lifelong dream to play for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and he just wanted to play, and so he actually had the opportunity to make it on the team he, he, as a walk-on. He, his family thought he was stupid. They thought he'd never make the team, but they just loved what they saw. The coaches loved what they saw in Rudy. He had this passion and this fight that he didn't care if he was playing the offensive line or the defensive line. He was going to give it everything he had, and so I won't spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but it's been out long enough, so spoiler, uh, you know, rules are out the window, you know, but um, he, he fights his way always, and in his practice, he plays like it's the game. He gives it all he has, so the coaches saw this passion in him and gave him a shot, and he fought all the way to make it and play for the Notre Dame Irish. That won't ruin the movie. Uh, it's a great one, but I just always love that story of that passion because he was such the underdog. You can probably think of your favorite underdog story or underdog movie or sports game um, that's happened in the recent years where this underdog and everybody roots for them. If you're one of those people that jump on the bandwagon with, um, you know, like the hottest team, like you can be free to go. Like you just know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Nobody, you know, everybody, most of us, we root for the, the underdog. And so when you think about underdog in the Bible, probably the first place you begin to think of is David and Goliath, right? And so we're just going to start this series there in the most stereotypical place, and then we'll get into a lot more that you won't think about, because otherwise you're just waiting for it. So we're going to dive into David and Goliath, and we actually talked about David a little bit last week. We talked about his best friend, Jonathan, and how to be a Jonathan. If you missed that message, you can hop on Apple Podcasts and listen to that anytime, but today I actually want to zero in on David. We, we were reading chapters 18 through 23 last week. Today we're going to skip, go back one, one chapter to chapter 17. That's where we see this incredible story of David and Goliath, and I, I think we're going to see a lot of things. I think God's going to reveal some things maybe that you've never seen before, and I believe he's going to reveal it in a very specific way for your life. Right? I, what I love about the Holy Spirit is so many things. I could just go on. What I love, I love how the Holy Spirit knows how to contextualize things in our lives. Like we can hear the same scripture, the same story maybe we've been hearing since we were a little girl or a little boy. We've been hearing this story about David and Goliath. It's a, it's a cliche, popular kind of idea of David and Goliath, but I believe the Holy Spirit can speak this so fresh in our lives today that it makes a significant supernatural difference in our life moving forward. So we're going to go to uh, chapter 17 just to set up the text of 1 Samuel here, just to set up the text. You know that big fight that just happened? Who was it? Money Mayweather, and who did he fight the other day? McGregor, that was a big fight, big, big stakes fight. Well, that's kind of what was going on between David and Goliath, the Philistine army. This was, like, Floyd Money Mayweather knows nothing about this kind of high stakes. Like, what was on on the line here between Goliath and David, or between the Philistine army and the Israeli army, was, was complete freedom. 
they'd come to the place, and, and Goliath is now standing up, and the Philistine army is saying, look, this is winner takes all. Your greatest warrior versus our greatest warrior. And everyone's scared on the Israeli side, but here on the Philistine side, they have this huge giant, and so they obviously feel like the favorite in this fight. And he says, look, if our Philistine giant wins, then you'll become our servants. But if you win, then we'll become your servants. It's a winner-take-all for freedom. Like that's, a, like, that's more than money can buy. Like, we're talking about freedom of an entire people group. They become sla- slaves. Like, that's a big, big deal. And so here they come up, and we find David, who at this time is actually like the cheese runner. <laughs> like, you, you know, in a restaurant, you have the people who are managers, and then you have, like, assistant managers, and then servers and bartenders probably make the next amount of money, and then you've got hosts, and then you have, like, the people who run the food. Any of you ever been a runner in a restaurant? It's kind of a thankless job, right? You just, all you do is just work for everybody else. Do this, take it here, do this. And David's kind of the the snacks runner. He's kind of the snack guy. He's not even out there fighting with his brothers, and his dad puts him in charge of bringing the cheese and crackers to the grown men. You don't get the big boy job. You get to bring the cheese and crackers, okay? And then he just stumbles up, and he comes up at this point and is wondering, hey, what's this all about? That's where we're going to pick up here in chapter 23. And he volunteers, and he's like, if nobody else is going to fight him, he's like, I'll fight him. Here the cheese runner steps up to the place. So let's begin reading verse 33. Read verses 33 through 37 here for a minute. Saul replied to him after David said, I'll go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting, um, uh, he's been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Saul's probably like, duh. You've been watching sheep. That makes you so qualified to fight the giant here. But that's what David leads with. I've been watching sheep. But he goes on to explain what he means by that. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued it from the mouth of it, uh, the, the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by, the, uh, by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me um, from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So he basically says, okay, you want a shot at this whippersnapper? Nobody else is stepping up to the plate, but I see your passion. I see your passion here. I just want to share three quick things, not just out of this text. We're going to move to a couple other places in the text. Keep reading. But the first thing I think that God can speak to us here is that you've been uniquely prepared for where you're at today. You've been uniquely prepared to be used by God. All of us have taken different paths. Just think about it in this room. Like, we've come from cities all across America, all across Florida. Some of you were born and raised in other countries, and now you're here, you've been raised in other cities. And here we are in this place, and you're working at the the, the location you're working at, or you're going to school where you're going at now, and (coughs) we're all in the same place. And all of our journeys have taken all these turns and these things that were unexpected. I think about Taryn and I's journey. Like, we've been married for her over 10 years now. And I think about just kind of this kind of crucial points in our life where, man, things could have looked completely different. Like, she was supposed to graduate a year before I showed up. 
She was supposed to graduate, but like some crazy things happened that made her stay in school for another year. She was supposed to be done, but she was there, and then that's when we met. Like without like these things, like and at that time that we did long distance for two years would prepare us for our communication in our marriage now. And you can begin to think about how God has uniquely prepared you for where you're at now. Maybe by the personal experience, that the things that you've seen, think about your life and kind of how many turns it's taken and, and you've been prepared for this. And for David, that's exactly, he's saying, I, I, I'm prepared for this. People look at him on the outside and said, you're the last guy we're going to choose. But God loves to use people who are viewed as underdogs in the eyes of the world because with his spirit and with his power, you're not an underdog. Because you've actually been prepared for where you're at now. How many of you, just in the room, you don't have to raise your hand or say anything out loud, but you think you're a little bit unqualified for what you're doing right now? I said, you don't have to do that, but I'm going to raise my hand. Like, I, I don't have answers all the time. And like, from my own mind, I think about that, that I'm not prepared. But then I begin to think about it. And I, and I begin to, to reel it back a little bit. And I'm like, actually, I'm kind of like David. The outside, maybe not prepared, but God has truly prepared me. That we had so many different opportunities and life experience that brought us to this place. And I want you to know that you're uniquely prepared. And it's not because like, you've got all these skills and experiences that have built up, which that's maybe a part of it, like David's. But I think you're uniquely prepared because you're a child of his. See, God is always preparing us. He's preparing us as a church, as a local church and as a global church for greater things and for the greatest thing. And you want to know what that greatest thing is? It's his return. He is preparing his bride. And so all along with every battle that you're looking at a wolf and thinking that this does not mean much, this fight I had or this failed job opportunity or this failed business or the time I got fired from this place or this job I hate or this child I can't get control of or whatever. And we're just thinking lions and bears, lions and bears. And all the time God is preparing you and he's preparing me for something greater. And that greater is not just some Goliath down the road. It's him, like as his bride, like he is preparing us in faith. He's preparing us in faith. The scriptures say that we move from glory to glory, this idea that our faith is built over time, that it starts out, maybe it's just as small as a mustard seed, but your faith has grown. I bet across this room, a large majority of us, and there may be some in here that say, my faith is, is less than what it was, but I, I believe if you've been a part of this family and walking, I believe your faith is greater today than it was six months ago. I believe it's greater today than it was 12 months ago, because that's how God works when we're submitted and walking in obedience to him. And we're not looking down on the lions and bears. We're not looking down on the wolves that we're having to fend off. We're not looking down on those. We're just going to be faithful with those. And it's through faithfulness with God that we build faith in God. Only when I have stepped out of the boat in faith can I have confidence in God that he'll do it again. It builds faith, like faithfulness, in fact, builds faith. Just think about that. If you're struggling with your faith, just think this step is going to help me grow in Christ. Like this act of obedience, and what happens is our disobedience, our cowardice, and our laziness in the small battles of life end up hindering our growth and will leave us unprepared for the greatest battles in our life. Disobedience, cowardice, and laziness will actually leave us unprepared 
for the greatest battles. Maybe the things you, you dream of playing for the Notre Dame Irish. You dream of fighting a, a Goliath of a battle for the Lord in your life. And if we're, if we're disobedient, if we're cowards, or if we're um, uh, lazy in the things that he's calling us to now, the lions, the bears, the wolves, whatever that might be in your life right now, it's going to leave us unprepared for that. But when we walk in obedience, when we walk in submission, he is preparing his bride. He is preparing us, not only for greater works, but preparing him, preparing us for himself. And that's the beauty of it all. Like, it's, it's amazing that, um, it's, it's funny because you think, like, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Like, I don't know about you, like, in your own life, are you a lover or a fighter? <laughs> you know, like, it's always, I'm, I'm more of a fighter than a, than a lover. And what's beautiful about this thing with God is that when we're compelled by his love for us, and, that, and we respond in love for him, like, we become these warriors for him. And it's funny that we become both lovers and fighters and we fight for holy things. We fight for the kingdom. We fight and, and, and we become so relentless that even when the worst storms happen in our life, and I can tell you story after story in my own life that I've heard in your body and across the globe as Christians have faced the worst things in the world, but somehow in the midst of it all, we've been prepared to withstand that in that time. Let's continue reading and, and see what else God would speak to us here. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on him. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off, took them off. Then he took, off, took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. There's something huge, I believe, that God wants to speak to us here. Not only are, have you been uniquely prepared, you've been specifically equipped. You've been very specifically equipped. You think in, in a case um, like David, you look at that and be like, he actually seems ill-equipped for this. He's a shepherd, and he, he's, he's taking you know, a slingshot to fight with a giant who's huge. He probably had like some type of disease that made him grow so large. There's a whole other scientific theological thing we can talk about in there uh, at another time, but... We begin to look at this, and like he's bringing a slingshot to a fight. Like most of us, like we look at that, like that's like that's crazy. Like you're not equipped for this battle, but we don't really understand ancient kind of warfare because a slingshot was not like some piddly thing we give our kids. It was a weapon of war. And he was coming at Goliath with artillery. He was one of the sharpest marksmen. He was a sniper of his time. He had truly been prepared. Now, if he tried to fight him with what Saul placed on him, and Saul in his ignorance did not realize what God was doing in all this, but if he would have tried to take that off, he would have been slain. Like, there's no way he could have survived that. If he would have left his armor on and this big thing, he was not comfortable. He said, I can't go in these. It's, it's not who I am. That's not what I bring to the table. That's not how God has gifted me. When we many times we look at this as such an underdog, he was supremely equipped to take down this giant. He was a sniper. 
Like, think about that. He was an ancient sniper who was able to take him down. I would have loved, and, and I don't know why the significance of the five stones. There's probably some person out there that knows that or has an idea. But I wish it would have just been one. Like, it was just a, a statement of faith, man. That's all I need. I'm that good. <laughs> like, one rock and you are down. But I just want to let you know, like, you, you've been a specifically equipped. Many times we look at our equipment and we don't think it's all that great. It's not all that significant. And I think a lot of times it's because what our equipment is is not prominent. And we talk about this in our DNA sessions too coming up, but on a monthly basis we do. But that prominence doesn't equal significance in the kingdom of God. Just because God's given me the gift of teaching, or at least I believe that, you may disagree, but I, I believe he's given me the gift of teaching, and it happens to be prominent. It just happens to be prominent. That doesn't mean it's any more significant than any gift in this room that God has placed in you, whatever that might be, whatever that might be. It's not more significant, even though it's more prominent, and that's how we have to come to know that God has specifically equipped us for what he's calling you to do. You know, I even think about seasons of my life that I went through, and you know, and I taught music, and, and I, I studied music at first in college, and then like, oh, I, and then I felt God calling me to, to be a pastor. And then I, it's just amazing how God still used that equipment that he's brought along in a very specific way and how he's even using that today. Think about that in your own life. Things that maybe you didn't realize you'd be using. You know, we always think about that with our kids. Like, Dad, I'll never use this geometry. You know, I, I remember one time I was in my geometry class, and I was like a super smart aleck kid, and my teacher was like, she didn't have time for that, and so she said, you think you're so smart, you can teach the class tomorrow, and I was, I was so dumb, I was like, okay, I'll do it, so I taught the class the next day, and learned geometry, and now, like, it's so funny, I hadn't thought about this a whole lot, but now I'm building tables, and I'm constantly having to think about geometry, and get measurements, and these different, different things, and like, we've been equipped in very specific ways for what God is doing in your life, and what he's called you to. Those seasons in the field with lions and bears actually specifically equipped him for what he would need to defeat this giant. I think a great place for us to study this week together is Ephesians chapter 6. Priscilla Schreier has a, a, a Bible, on the Bible app, there's a, a little study you can go through. It's like five days, just on Ephesians chapter 6, on um, the armor of God, on the armor of God. I think it's a great place for us to look, because God has equipped us for this battle that we are facing. And whether you realize it or not, you're, you're in a battle. Like, there'll be moments where you realize that it's a spiritual battle, but actually a lot of the things that are physical right now, if you begin to reel that back and think about it and pray about it, there's probably something spiritual going on in that fight with your spouse or with your kid or going on at work. There, there's probably a, a spiritual... I, I, I saw one commentator... And I don't want to go on this large political thing, but this one um, Christian commentator just talking about everything in North Korea, and that it's building like with such fear uh, among all over the world. Like every world leader is like nervous about what's going on in in North Korea. And uh, this one commentator, a bit historical, looked back in, and and they said, "Hey, don't forget about this. Like this is spiritual." Like, what's going on there? Like, there's, there's good people in that country that are under this, and, and not even 100 years, I think it's 110 years ago, there was a revival in Korea. 
There was a revival that happened there, and actually, like, I, I think it's their capital city. I don't know how to pronounce it, forgive me, but it actually means, like, peace and joy is what their capital city actually means, the word, which is just wild. But there was this revival that happened in Korea. And so when we begin to think about this, 110 years ago, there was spiritual awakening to, happening there. Now, 110 years later, there's just complete suppression and dominance and control, and it's that the gospel would not go forward. So when we begin to pull it back, like, whoa. Like, there's actually something going on here. And so even the things that we think are physical are very spiritual. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. But God has He's specifically equipped us. He's equipped us through his word. Like, let's begin there. That's the basis of it. This is our sword. And, and, and if, if you're not leaning, and I think here in the next kind of few months, I want to do just kind of a group, kind of church-wide time of, of just diving into God's word and being challenged to, to grow in that and giving you lots of practical tools on, on, on how to, to make this just a daily part of your life. Because I think if I polled us, you know, 90% of us, we probably struggle to make it a daily part. It's a part of our life, but a daily part, I, the reality is that, that we struggle with it. And, and I, want us, I want us to lean in on that over the next few months, so I, I'm going to be leading and guide you in that as that comes along, but I just want you to know you're, you're specifically equipped by his spirit, by his word. We must hide, I'll hide your word away in my heart that I might not sin against you, that I might be prepared for what you've called us to, that he is specifically, I think when we have God's word, it builds confidence in us on the truth, and we build that time with God. Let's um, continue to, to move on. Oh, actually, one quick thing, and this is just a thought that the Lord gave me this week, and it may be helpful to you, maybe not. But he just gave me this quick thought. I use this word sweet spot a lot. Sweet spot is kind of where you thrive and where you, you best fit. Uh, sometimes I use that in, in the body of Christ, and sometimes I think you can think about this if, if you're an employer at all. And, um, or I, I think about it, it in a football sense with the Jags. You know, there was a player who was playing safety, but he, really his sweet, he's playing safety to fill a gap, but really his sweet spot is cornerback. He's really better on the outside when he's in space, and he doesn't really see the field well when he has to own it all. Or maybe a left guard that moved to left tackle. I mean, I think about, we had Luke Jokel. Some of you may know him if you're a Jags fan. We had him, we had him playing left tackle, and now I can't remember who he's playing for, but now he's playing like right guard or something. They said, we think this guy's still a good player, even though he was terrible in Jacksonville. We think he's a good player, we just need to find a sweet spot. If we can get him here, we think he's going to be successful. And I believe that for each of us, like there's, there's probably a sweet spot in your life. That all of us, that's kind of what we're trying to figure out in ministry and in our careers is, where's my sweet spot? I think it's this build-up, these four pillars of our life experience and our skills and giftedness. And I think this becomes deeply spiritual when we understand missional calling. When we understand what the things that make us angry, the things that stir our heart, our passions. And, and all, I think this is just this learning experience of constantly evaluating because sometimes another passion might rise up. And like, oh, really, I'm feeling God moving my sweet spot to here. I feel God shifting something here, and, and this gift or this skill had not been used in a long time, but I feel like he's moving it here, and that's a passion of ours here at Fathom, and so we want to get you connected where we believe that you, you've been specifically, and where you feel like you've been specifically equipped, because we think that in that sweet spot, we accomplish way more. For David, what looked like not a sweet spot, he had actually been very well equipped for, and his sweet spot was being in the artillery, not in the cavalry. 
Let's think about that. Let's, let's jump quickly to verse 26, and then we'll, we'll begin to wrap this up, 45 through 47. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He's asking, you know, what's going to be done for me if I take this guy down? And it's kind of funny, like, hey, we're going to give you a wife and you're going to get a break on your taxes. Like, that's literally their response. But for David, it, it wasn't physical. He wasn't concerned with taxes, and he wasn't concerned with the wife. He was concerned that this was a spiritual matter. Like, this guy was defying the armies of God. This was spiritual. Go down to verse uh, 45 through 47. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The Lord of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. It was spiritual for him. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord um, saves for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Like, he was fired up. Like, those, you know, those guys coming out of the tunnel on a Sunday on a football game, he was fired up. Like, I'm going to cut your head off. The animals are going to eat your carcass. Like, it's kind of gruesome there. Like, easy killer. Like, whoa, what about respect for the dead? And, you know, he's, like, intense about this. He's like, there's, there's no prisoners in this. And Taryn was talking to me about a sermon series she'd been going through, and there's this powerful thought that some of us, like, the head's got to be cut off of the giant. It's got to be cut off of the snake, or it'll, it'll jump back up and, and bite us. The, the last thing I, I want us to realize here today is that, that we've been supernaturally empowered, that what's going on is spiritual. It, it, it's, not, it's not just physical. It's spiritual, and that we've been spiritually empowered to be able to, to go up against anything else like we're facing. Like God has prepared you. He's equipped you. And when we bring, when we bring the faithfulness in the natural, he's going to bring the super part. He's going to bring the supernatural part. We just have to be faithful in the natural. I think about this so much um, in, in my own life that I get frustrated. I get frustrated about things going on or got these battles in our mind. You ever... You ever have that? I know you do. Because it feels like all the battles are won and lost here, don't they? If I could just figure it out. If I could just get a grip on this. And sometimes it feels like all the battles are here in our strength. Well, if I could just discipline myself to not fall back into that trap. If I could just discipline myself. If I could just show my strength. I'm just too weak to withstand sin. I'm just too weak to handle this tough conversation I need to have with this coworker or with my boss or with my spouse. I'm just, I'm just too weak. But if I could discipline myself, if I could muster up the strength to be faithful in this, then maybe, just maybe, and we need to hear what David said, the battle's not even yours. His strength was not in, 
even in his preparation. His strength was not even in the, the accuracy of his slingshot. His strength was in the Lord. And that's what this was all about. That It was spiritual. There was defiance in the spiritual realm that was, made him rise up with this passion that this Goliath needed to be defeated. That it was spiritual. And I just wonder, like in our own lives right now, there, there's something that has been frustrating us. We're trying to figure out. We're trying to muscle up against. We're trying to use our very best conversation tactics or our best slingshot throwing. We're trying to use it all. But I think God just wants to peel it back for just a minute and say, look, this battle's mine. And this is spiritual. And, and you're going to be supernaturally empowered, but don't forget where that super comes from. You just got to be faithful in the natural. I have prepared you for this, have equipped you for this, but your victory is in me, and it's in me alone. And I don't know if you're facing that right now, or you've seen that in the past, or, or, or that's coming right around the, the corner, but I just want to remind you today that it's spiritual, and that David's victory in this time, the victory for Israel was not by his own strength. He recognized it. The question is, in our lives, will we recognize it? Or when we're, we're kind of good for a moment and we're faithful for a moment, we'll just kind of build up pride in ourselves. Or will we come from the beginning and just be faithful running cheese? That's all God tells us to do. We'll just be faithful watching sheep for as long as he wants us to watch sheep. We'll be faithful with the opportunity. And when it rises, like the courage, the faith, the equipment will be in place for us to conquer whatever's in front of us. I can speak about this in a, a biblical sense and kind of talk through this, but I know there's a, there, there's a real factor in your life. There's a real addiction you're facing. There's a, there's a real um, unfaithfulness happening in an area of your life. There's, there's a real jealousy or bitterness or unforgiveness that is your giant in front of you right now. Or a real health thing that like you can't get control of and no doctors know what's going on. And, man, and, that's, and that's your Goliath today. Or maybe that's your lion or your bear today. And we've just got to be faithful in the natural and trust that he is going to bring us supernatural power in this. I don't know where you're at on all this. Uh, you do. Um, and I believe that God wants to speak into our lives right now on a very personal sense that, that he's got this, that he's the one that saves. This is his battle. So whatever you're facing through, whatever you're working through, I just want you to know that God's going to bring you into freedom. I want us to stand today. This band's going to come and lead us in a song of, of just declaration. They're going to come back and repeat one of those. And, and I just believe that God's going to just let this sink down into our hearts and <clears throat> and before we tune out, I, I want you to tune in here with me, because I believe some of you, you actually need to get together with a couple of brothers and sisters today, like whatever it is, and maybe confess this to one of our, our prayer team members and just say, hey, I'm fighting this, I need God's strength in this, like this is, this is my giant, I want to look it in the eyes, call it what it is, and find freedom and find victory, and I want to cut its head off today. I don't, I don't know what that is in your life, but but I just bet in this room, somebody needs to take a step. Somebody needs to take a step. Like, this is your moment, like for Goliath. Like, hey, what's this about? Okay, I'll go. I'll go. And I think this is maybe even just a, a, a battleground line for some of us drawing it and saying, hey, do you want to be used for God? Do you want to be used for his kingdom? Okay, are we willing to be faithful in the small things? Am I willing to, to face the little, the little giants right now?
We're going to come to the table here in just a moment, but I, I don't want to bring you to the table right now. I want you to bow your heads with me, and I just want to pray right now. God, speak to us right now. Just download in our hearts, reveal in our hearts what you want to do in us, God, the freedom that you want for us, just like you wanted that freedom for Israel. You had prepared this young shepherd boy. God, you've been preparing us for something. You want to do a work in us today. God, help us to not get too proud of our, of our pebbles and our stones and our pouch. Help us to not look down on the things that have brought us to this point, God, but just to find our confidence, to find our strength in you, to find our faithfulness in your faithfulness, to find our confidence in your strength and your trustworthiness.